السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم وبشرحلی صدری ویسرلی عمری وحل العقدم السانی یفقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما کتاب العیدین باب نمبر ٹوینٹی ٹو باب النحری يوم النحر بالمصلى النحر and الذبح what does it mean to slaughter the animals يوم النحر on the day of نحر meaning on the day of Eid which Eid is this Eid al-Adha because that is when نحر is done so where is this نحر done where is the slaughter done بالمصلى at the place of prayer Now why are these two words used for slaughter? Nahr and Dhabh. Because Nahr is used for camel slaughter. Alright? And you know how a camel is slaughtered. It's, it's slaughtered in a different way compared to smaller animals. Right? Because a camel, when it's slaughtered, it's made to stand up. Alright? And one foot or one leg is lifted up. It's, it's basically tied together so that the camel doesn't have much balance. Because it's a huge animal. And if people were to force it down on the floor and then slaughter it, it would be extremely difficult. So the fastest, the most efficient way of slaughtering the camel is that while it's standing on three legs, and then the neck is basically slit, and then the camel falls to the floor. And when it falls to the floor, then it's basically slaughtered. So imagine now a camel being slaughtered, all right, and then other animals also being slaughtered. Where? At the musalla. What is the musalla? Where Salatul Eid was performed. Obviously, this doesn't mean uh, exactly at the same location where Salatul Eid was performed, but rather around it. Hmm? What's the benefit of this? The benefit of this is that, remember that Nahr, slaughtering the animal, is from the Sha'air of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? وَالْبُدْنَ جَعَلْنَاهَا لَكُمْ مِنْ شَعَائِرِ اللَّهِ That these animals that are slaughtered, they're from the Sha'air of Allah. And Sha'air must be publicized. Because what are shara'ir? Open, visible acts of worship that remind of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that remind of the deen. So for example, hijab is of the shara'ir. Right? Likewise for a man, having a beard is of the shara'ir. So likewise, slaughtering an animal at the time of Eid is also from the shara'ir. And a shara'ir must be public. Alright? Why public? Why? Because then it is known that yes, you have participated in this. You have also performed this act of worship. And at Eid, Eid is a celebration. And celebration, obviously it has to be at a public level. It cannot be just at your own house, just within your own family. Because then how do you get that feeling of Eid? So this is the reason why the slaughter has to be done in a public place. And then the action is also witnessed. It is known that you also participated in the act of worship and you did not stay behind from it. And another benefit is obviously that when the animal is slaughtered, then everybody is present at the same place and the meat may be distributed to the poor as charity and it may also be given to the wealthy as a gift. And this is a sunnah, which means that this should be given attention. So for example, if you are in a place where you can slaughter your animal yourself, or have it slaughtered in front of your eyes at least, then don't be the only person over there. Go with a group of people. Go with a group of, you know, for example, Muslim families. Together. Why? So that the action is together. And remember that when there is more people involved, there is more barakah, more blessing, more rahmah, more help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال حدثنا الليث قال حدثني كثير بن فقد عن نافع عن ابن عمر أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان ينحر أو يذبح بالمصلى This was the usual habit of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that the slaughter would be done by the place of مصلى باب كلام الإمام والناس في خطبة العيد كلام الإمام The Imam talking والناسي and the people also talking when في خطبة العيد during the عيد خطبة Now earlier we learned about uh, Jumu'ah khutbah. Is it permissible for people to talk? No. However, there is one exception, which is that the imam can directly address you know, a person in the congregation. Correct? Like for example, a man came in the masjid and he sat down and the Prophet ﷺ during his khutbah, he told him to 
get up and perform two rakat. That's the only one exception. Right? Now over here we see people talking to the imam, imam talking uh, to the people during the khutbah. Is that permissible? وَإِذَا سُئِلَ الْإِمَامُ عَنْ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ يَخْطُبُ And the imam is asked about something while he is giving the khutbah. Because you see during Jumu'ah, only the imam can initiate the conversation if necessary. But over here we see a person initiating the conversation with the imam during Eid khutbah. So we see that Eid khutbah is slightly more lenient. Why do you think so? Okay, it's not wajib as Jumu'ah is. What else? Yes, it's a celebration. People are excited. It's only a, it's a once a year event. It's an annual event, right? And when something comes after one year, even though you know the rules really well, you've forgotten, right? But Jumu'ah is every week. And if people are given the allowance to talk or to take Jumu'ah khutbah lightly, then imagine what would be the state of Jumu'ah khutbah today, right? So because it's once a year, this is why the rulings are slightly more lenient. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا أبو الأحوص قال حدثنا منصور بن معتمر عن الشعبي عن البراء بن عازب قال خطبنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم النحر بعد الصلاة The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم addressed us on the day of نحر After the prayer because the khutbah is when? When is the khutbah? After the salah فقال so he said meaning during the khutbah من صلى صلاتنا ونسك نسكنا فقد أصاب النسك ومن نسك قبل الصلاة فتلك شات اللحمن we have done this hadith numerous times so I believe I don't need to translate this yeah okay should I or no okay جزاكم خير فقام أبو بردة ابن نيار فقال يا رسول الله والله لقد نسكت قبل أن أخرج إلى الصلاة وعرفت أن اليوم يوم أكل وشرب فَتَعَجَّلْتُ وَأَكَلْتُ وَأَطْعَمْتُ أَهْلِي وَجِيرَانِي فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ تِلْكَ شَاتُ لَحْمٍ قَالَ فَإِنَّ عِنْدِي عَنَاقَ جَذَعَةٍ هِيَ خَيْرٌ مِنْ شَاتَيْ لَحْمٍ فَهَلْ تَجْزِي عَنِّي قَالَ نَعَمْ وَلَنْ تَجْزِي عَنْ أَحَدٍ بَعْدَكَ So what do we see in this hadith? That the Prophet ﷺ was giving the khutbah in that he said that first salah and then the nusuk, then the slaughter. A man got up and he asked that I have already slaughtered my animal. And the Prophet ﷺ said that that was just a slaughter, that was not nusuk. So he asked if he could slaughter a smaller animal, and the Prophet ﷺ allowed him to do that. حدثنا حامد بن عمر عن حماد بن زيد عن أيوب عن محمد أن أنس بن مالك قال إن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى يوم النحر. The Prophet ﷺ performed salat on the day of nahr, meaning salat al-Eid. ثم خطب then he addressed the people فأمر then he ordered meaning he ordered the people he instructed them during the khutbah that من ذبح قبل الصلاة أن يعيد ذبحه that whoever has already slaughtered his animal before the prayer then he should repeat his ذبح meaning he should now slaughter another animal because the slaughter was not fulfilled فقام رجل من الأنصار so a man from the Ansar got up فقال يا رسول الله and he said O Messenger of Allah جيران لي I have some neighbors إما قال بهم خصاصة Either he said that they are extremely poor, or he said that they are in faqr, meaning they are in a state of poverty. And I have already slaughtered my animal before the prayer. And I have anaq. And what is anaq? A small she goat, a young she goat. I have it. And its flesh is dear to me than, the, than that of two sheep. So he allowed him to do it. Now, it's the same incident, but what do we learn about the story? A little bit more, that that companion, when he slaughtered his animal early, why did he do so? To feed his poor neighbors. Because it's the day of Eid. And he wanted them to have food early in the day. Because imagine beginning the day of Eid with this realization that we have nothing to eat. Or everybody is going to be slaughtering their animals and they're going to have meat and we have nothing. So we see that there was a good intention behind it. But still we see that uh, the, the nusuk was not valid and this is the reason why he was allowed to uh, slaughter his animal uh, afterwards. Even though that animal did not meet all the conditions but he was allowed. حدثنا مسلم قال حدثنا شعبة عن الأسود عن جندب قال صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم النحر ثم خطبه He said the Prophet ﷺ performed the prayer on the day of Nahr and then he addressed the people. And then after the khutbah, then he went to slaughter the animal. فقال, he said, 
Now, faqala over here should not be understood as that he said the statement after slaughtering the animal. What is meant by thumma dhabaha is to show the sequence of events. First salah, then khutbah, and then dhabah, then the slaughter. And during the khutbah, he instructed the people that man dhabaha qabla an yusalliya falyathbah ukhra makanaha. That whoever has slaughtered before the salah, that he should slaughter another animal in its place. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَذْبَحْ And whoever has not slaughtered his animal yet, فَلْيَذْبَحْ بِسْمِ Then he should slaughter with the name of Allah. Meaning by mentioning Allah's name. Now tell me something. Where did this incident take place? In Makkah or Medina? In Medina. Because that is when the Muslims performed Salatul Eid. So what do we see? What was the understanding of the companions? What was the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ? That when you do dhibh, what do you have to mention? The name of Allah. Because when Allah's name is not mentioned, then that animal is not halal for you. Because some scholars, they argue that in Makkah it was emphasized a lot, that Allah's name should be mentioned. Why? Because the people were mushrikeen. And later on it was abrogated. And uh, what was the abrogation? The ayah that the meat of the Ahlul Kitab is permissible for you. Hmm? But remember that meat of the Ahlul Kitab is permissible for you with the understanding that they are going to mention Allah's name. And if they are not mentioning Allah's name, then remember that eating that meat is fisq. Because in the Quran clearly it is said, وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا مِمَّا لَمْ يُذْكَرِ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَإِنَّهُ لفسق. It's a sin. It's a sin to eat of the meat on which the name of Allah was not mentioned. When? When, the, when was the name of Allah not mentioned? At the time of slaughter. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ said over here that وَمَن لَمْ يَذْبَحْ فَلْيَذْبَحْ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ Don't forget to mention Allah's name. And this is the reason why the ulama have said that if a person slaughters an animal and he forgets to say Bismillah and he realizes that, oh, I forgot to say Bismillah, then the meat of that animal is not permissible. It is not permissible. You know, one is that a person forgets and he doesn't even realize. He didn't realize at all. Then, of course, he then he's not responsible there. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنَّ نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا This was Nisyan, he completely forgot, he didn't realize. But the other is that he did not say Bismillah, he forgot, and then later on he realized then he should not eat. Because, فَلْيَذْبَحْ بِسْمِ He should slaughter with the name of Allah, by mentioning Allah's name. So the name of Allah, remember mentioning it, is extremely necessary. It is extremely important. Because, تَبَارَكَ Rabbik. The name of your Lord is blessed. It's a source of blessing. What is that blessing? That when the name of Allah is mentioned, then that meat will be halal. And if it's not mentioned, that meat is not halal. باب من خالف الطريقة إذا رجع يوم العيد من خالف Now the thing is that if you're having somebody else slaughter on your behalf, okay, then what is mentioned over here again? That فليذبح بسم الله He should mention Allah's name. He doesn't need to mention your name. Okay? That this is being done on behalf of so and so. Right? And if they're slaughtering the animal on your behalf, when will they do it? When they will do Eid? When they will perform Salatul Eid? Okay? So uh, that, that in that case you don't have to say that, oh, but my Eid is early, but my Eid is late. No. If you've sent the money, you've asked a relative in another country to do the slaughter for you, then you leave it to them. They will do it when? According to their Eid. Not according to your Eid. Alright? Because for every act of worship, remember that, uh, you know, the timing has to be observed. Okay? And the timing will be according to where a person is. So they're doing the slaughter for you on your behalf, and that means they will do it according to their time. Bab man khalafa is to go against. And at tariq is the way, route. So the one who used a different route, when he returns on the day of Eid. Meaning he went to Salatul Eid one way, he performed Eid. You know, did the dhabh, everything. Now he's coming back home. And when he's coming back home, he comes a different way. You understand? He comes a different way. He adopted one way to go for Salatul Eid, and now he's using a different way to come back home. Is there any 
evidence for this? Or is it just something new that people have come up with? No, it's a sunnah. حدثنا محمد قال أخبرنا أبو تميلة يحيى ابن واضح عن فليح بن سليمان عن سعيد بن الحارث عن جابر قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا كان يوم عيد The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to كان What does it show? It was his habit that when it used to be the day of عيد خالف الطريق He would go a different way تابعه يونس ابن محمد عن فليح وحديث جابر أصح So anyway in this hadith, what do we see? That the Prophet ﷺ did this. And is that enough of a reason for us? Yes. Uh, is that enough of hikmah for us? Or do we need to know more benefits and reasons behind this? No, there's no need. If the Prophet ﷺ did it, we will also do it. Uh, now, what are the wisdoms behind it? There could be many. What are the benefits for, uh, of this? There, there could be many benefits. What are the benefits? Okay, so for example, if you walk to Eid prayer one way, and then you walk back the other way, and in some places it's possible, you can literally walk to Eid prayer, then you meet different people, you greet different people. Okay, what else? Yes, you, you're saying takbirat, you know, diff, different way, different people, uh, different street, different trees, different buildings, inshallah, more witnesses. And then also remember that, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like this, that when it's a Eid day, you want to celebrate, and you want to take it easy, and you want to relax, and you want to be out and about. Right? So when you go the same way, and you come back the same way, boring. Hmm? But when you're coming back a different way, there's more to see. There's, you know, it, it increases that feeling of excitement. It makes it feel like a special day, an Eid day. That's how they block the roads. And I always say, I thank Allah for that because I said, I don't want to disturb the kids and say, okay, we have to go back another way. But it's so much better to take another route. And you feel, as as you said, you see a different scenery which you normally would not have seen. Yes. That's very true. It makes it so much better. And sometimes you see, oh my God, this place got developed so much, you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. You see different things, different, even we meet some different people who are coming in for Salah and you are going because they're coming for the last Salah or whichever Salah that they're coming in Mm -hmm. for the Eid day. And I found so much hikmah when we first did it. Alhamdulillah, I tried to apply it and I even tell my family back home to apply it because there's so much wisdom behind this. Honestly, it really makes you feel so good. So good, Alhamdulillah. We always do prayer um, in the same place in our community, and we decided to take a different route, and we ran into a group of Muslims who are also doing Eid prayer, and they've been doing it in that place for a couple of years, and we didn't even know, and so we got to spend time with them. Alhamdulillah. When he misses the Eid prayer, if a person misses the Eid prayer, then he should pray two rak'at. So if a person misses their Eid prayer, meaning prayer with the Imam, for whatever reason, for example, a person forgot the time, he thought Eid prayer was at 9.30, and he realizes that, oh, Eid was at 9. By the time he gets to the masjid, everything is done with. So he forgot. Or he gets late. You know, sometimes you go early, but then there's so much parking, and by the time you find parking, and by the time you get into the masjid, you miss the prayer. So it could be for any reason. If a person misses their Eid prayer, then what should he do? He should perform two rak'ah himself. Now, many scholars hold the opinion that Eid prayer is actually fard ayn. It's not just fard kifaya. That as long as uh, some people are performing it in the community, it's sufficient. No, they said every individual should perform Eid prayer. Men, women, old, children, everybody. And the reason for that is that the Prophet ﷺ, if you see so many ahadith, what do they show? That how he insisted that women come to the Eid prayer. Even the girls who never go out of their house, the Watul Khudur, who, who always covered up, who are always at home, they never go out. They're not allowed to go. And in many places this happens. Women, it's like understood that they have to be at home. They never go out for anything. Especially a public event, they're not going out. But even those women should go for Eid prayer. And remember that when he was asked about a woman who doesn't have a jilbab, what should she do? Stay at home? No. Share a friend's jilbab and go to the Eid prayer. Everyone must go for Eid prayer. And this is the reason why many ulama, they hold the opinion that Salatul Eid is actually Fard Ain for men as well as women. And if someone is not able to perform it, 
uh, with the congregation, then what should he do? He should perform it himself. وَكَذَلِكَ النِّسَاءُ And in the same way, the women also. Meaning the women who are not able to go for Eid prayer. Even though the Prophet ﷺ instructed that the women should go. But still in some cultures, in some families, women are not allowed to go for Eid prayer. You know, in many countries, this is the case. Muslim countries. That even if women try to go for Eid prayer, they cannot find a place to pray Eid. They're not welcome. They're not allowed. I remember once we were in a different city. And um, it was Eid. And we thought, okay, we'll just go to the masjid which is here for Eid prayer. We go there and no, women are not allowed. Women are not allowed. Women are not allowed. No place for women at all. So the men went and prayed and the women, we just sat. So uh, it's possible that women are not able to go. So what should they do then? Pray to Raka. Sometimes a woman wants to go, but she's not allowed. By the husband, by the father. Now instead of starting an argument at the beginning of Eid day, you know, just perform to Rakari yourself. Alright? Likewise, sometimes it happens that somebody is sick or somebody is extremely old. But for cooking, don't leave Salatul Eid. Hmm? But sometimes it happens in the family that, for example, if the child is extremely sick and outside it's extremely cold. Now a woman, how can she take her sick child to the masjid? So who has to stay? She will have to stay. As much as she doesn't want to, she will have to stay. So in that case, she miss out? No, she should pray Salatul Eid. And this is so beautiful that everybody should feel like it is Eid. Right? Now a person could be traveling. They're in a place where there is no masjid. There is a masjid. It's far. It happens with men sometimes. For work, they have to travel. They're in a different country, different city, no masjid, or it's very far. And they have work or a meeting right at the beginning of the day. Should they not celebrate Eid at all? Should they forget about Eid? No, they will pray to rakar themselves. When he went there, he saw nobody there. It was empty. And he was wondering what's happening because he's not used to the, the system of the Eid. And then he said, I just came home. If I knew this, that I would have told him, since you put the niyyah, your niyyah was there, you dressed up, you went all the way, and then there was nothing there, you could have prayed two rak'at. Yes. Subhanallah. Yes. Alhamdulillah. And because, see, Eid is with Salatul Eid. And everyone should pray Salatul Eid. Best is with the congregation. But if you weren't able to do that for whatever reason, then what do you do? Two rak'at. Woman kanafil buyuti. And whoever is at home. Whoever is at home, whether it's an old person, a sick person, they're not able to go to the masjid, pray at home. Walqura, and also the people of small villages. Okay? Uh, they can also pray Salatul Eid themselves. Liqawli Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What's the evidence? Because the Prophet said, Hadha Eiduna ahlal Islam. This is our Eid, people of Islam. Meaning Eid is for all people of Islam. Those who are living in big cities and also those people who are living in small villages. Those who are traveling and those who are at home. Right? So everyone should participate in this. وَأَمَرَ أَنَسُ بْنُ مَالِكُ And Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, he ordered مَوْلَاهُمْ uh, Their Mawla, Mawla meaning freed slave, uh, Ibn Abi Utbata بِالزَّاوِيَةِ at, at Zawiya he ordered, uh, meaning when they weren't able to perform Salatul Eid with the bigger congregation, what happened? Anas radiallahu anhu instructed that the family, the people be gathered, whoever is there, فَجَمَعَ أَهْلَهُ وَبَنِيهِ He gathered his family and his children, his sons, وَصَلَّى كَصَلَاتِ أَهْلِ الْمِصْرِ وَتَكْبِيرِهِمْ And he performed Salatul Eid just like the people of the city, وَتَكْبِيرِهِمْ uh, And also their takbirat. Because it is narrated that Anas radiallahu anhu, if he missed the Eid prayer with the Imam, because remember that he would live at Zawiyah, and this was far from the big city. And earlier we learned in Kitabul Jumu'ah that sometimes he would go for Jumu'ah and sometimes he would not go. So from this narration, what do we see? That at some points he was not able to make it for Salatul Eid even. So then what was done? He would gather together his family, his freed slaves, and then lead the people in prayer. And how was the Salatul Eid performed? Just like Eid is performed in the big city with the, with the additional takbirat, two rak'ah, with the additional takbirat. وَقَالَ عِكْرِمَةُ And Ikrima said, أَهْلُ السَّوَادِ Meaning the, the people of the country, يَجْتَمِعُونَ فِي الْعِيدِ They should gather together 
يصلون ركعتين and they should pray two raka كما يصنع الإمام just as the imam does وقال عطاء and عطاء said إذا فاته العيد صلى ركعتين if a person misses their Eid prayer then he should perform two raka so what do we see that people of very very small communities also you know just a few people it could be that there is one family Muslim family living in you know, nowhere land, okay? No masjid nearby. And they have to be there. So how to perform Eid? If there are two people, three people, four people, how many ever pray Salatul Eid together? Alright? Pray Salatul Eid together. What if a person is alone? Then he will pray himself. Now, there is ikhtilaf in this issue. Some scholars said that uh, a person will perform two rakah, Okay, himself or those who are with him. How? Just as the imam would pray. With the additional takbirat. But there's no khutbah. Okay, there's no khutbah. Meaning that if a person is performing two rakah himself, he's not going to end the prayer and give a khutbah. Or she's not going to end the prayer and give the khutbah. Okay, there's no khutbah. But two rakat with the additional takbirat. But other scholars said that no, it's just two rakat as normal without any additional takbirat. Some said that he will pray four, like he has to pray Zuhr if he misses Jumar, but there's no basis for that. And others said that he will not pray anything, because it said that Eid prayer is supposed to be congregational, and if you're not with the congregation, then there's no Eid prayer for you. However, we see that the understanding of the companions is what? That if you've missed their Eid prayer, perform it yourself. What was their action themselves? If they missed it, then they performed it themselves. So from all of this, what do we see? That if for whatever reason a person is not able to perform Eid prayer with the Imam, then what should they do? What should they do? They should pray to Rakar themselves. Now I have a question for you. What if you reach the masjid? Salah is over and the khutbah is going on. Then what? Then listen to the khutbah and make up their Eid prayer. How? To Rakar afterwards yourself. You understand? Because it's quite possible that it happens with you. Yes. I mean, with the extra takbirat, uh, th- that has also been reported. Uh, but without a takbirat is also fine. So if you feel like you will get confused with the number of takbirat, just pray two rakah. That's fine. No. You see, there can't be two days. You either choose this or that. Okay, You can't say, okay, I will pray... Eid with this group of people in this masjid and then later on I will also do with them. No, if you fasted with them and you are doing Eid with them, then you have to do Eid with them. If you missed it, you missed it and you can pray to Rakar. Then you will not go the next day and pray Eid with somebody else. حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب عن عروة عن عائشة أن أبا بكر رضي الله عنه دخل عليها أبو بكر رضي الله عنه he came to her. Who? عائشة رضي الله عنها. وعندها and with her were جاريتاني two girls young girls في أيام منا and it was the days of منا so عيد الأضحى after عيد الأضحى one of the days of منا and these two girls what were they doing تدفناني وتضربني they were basically uh, you know using the daf so they were singing and they were using the daf تضربني is from ضرب right to hit and what do you hit the daf when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so, so it seems like they had a proper daf or they didn't have a proper daf or maybe one of them had a proper daf and the other didn't. Right? And this is what happens. That, you know, when people are singing, if they have a daf, well and good. If they don't have it, they'll use whatever they have. Right? So this is what the girls were doing. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was there. And he had covered himself with his clothes. فَانْتَهَرَهُمَا أَبُو بَكْرٍ Abu Bakr came and he scolded those two girls. That what are you doing here? We learned this hadith earlier. فَكَشَفَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ عَنْ وَجِهِ The Prophet ﷺ uncovered his face. فَقَالَ And he said, دَعْهُمَا يَا أَبَا بَكْرٍ Leave them, O Abu Bakr, فَإِنَّهَا أَيَّامُ عِيدٍ It is the days of Eid. وَتِلْكَ الْأَيَّامُ أَيَّامُ مِنَا Mina. وَقَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ عَائِشَ said, رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ يَسْتُرُونِي The Prophet ﷺ was concealing me. وَأَنَا أَنظُرُ إِلَى الْحَبَشَةِ And I was looking at the, uh, at the Abyssinians. وَهُمْ يَلْعَبُونَ 
I was watching them while they were playing fil masjid in the masjid. Fazajarahum Umar. So Umar anhu scolded them. That what are you doing? Playing in the masjid, you know, doing all these tricks in the masjid. Fakala Nabiu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Da'ahum, leave them. Amnan bani arfida. O bani arfida, you are in aman. You're safe. Yani min al aman. Go on, keep playing, and you are safe. Umar cannot say anything to you, he cannot do anything to you. Now, what do we see in this hadith? That it's the days of Eid. Hmm? So let the people celebrate in the halal way. Because Eid is for everybody. Girls who are at home, and also people who are coming to the masjid. It's for everybody. Let everyone celebrate. Now if everyone has a right to celebrate on Eid day, that means everyone should also pray Salat al-Eid. This is the reason why this hadith has been brought over here. That everyone should pray Salat al-Eid also, because Eid is for everyone. So everyone should also pray. And everyone includes men who can go to the masjid and also women who are at home. So if somebody is able to go to the masjid and pray, well and good. But if they are not able to, then what will they do? Pray to Raka themselves. One of my aunts told me that I only pray on two days. I pray Salat al only. And I don't do anything else. Like I pray all the other Salah. I said, no, it's more important for you to pray the Eid Salah. <laughs> and I gave her the Hadith, even like my mother and everybody. Muslims just read the Salat al chast and that's it. I said, no, when the men go to the masjid, all of you stop whatever you are doing, whether you're cooking, whatever you do. I know the guests will be coming, but you make sure you pray your two rakas. I said, it's very, very important. Yeah. And I gave them the examples of the hadith that we had. And lucky my sister has a whole Bukhari in her house. So I was <laughs> with that, and I had to use that book when I was there. Alhamdulillah. So it's because very important, I think, to mention to our mothers, especially, and our, yes. our um, people who are not exposed to yes. this idea, yes. that they should be praying the Eid Salah. Exactly. And the thing is that Eid is a religious celebration. How will it be religious if there is no religion in it? Right? How will it be religious if there is no salah in it? So when everyone, you know, is eating and uh, they're, uh, you know, uh, having fun in different ways, in their own way, some are singing, some are listening, some are uh, performing, and some are watching. Everyone is having fun in a different way. That means everyone is participating and that means everyone should pray as well. And we also see over here that the Prophet ﷺ, he himself was not interested okay, in listening to those girls or watching that show. Hmm? Because when the girls were singing, he came in and he covered himself as we learned from the previous ahadith that we learned. And when the Abyssinians were showing their, when they were performing, Aisha anha, she wanted to watch. And that's the reason why the Prophet ﷺ stood there. And when you know she had had her share, he asked her, that, is it okay now? And she said, yes, it's enough. And then she went. So if the Prophet ﷺ allowed those girls to sing and he let these uh, you know, men perform, why? Because he himself was interested? No. It was other people. So it's possible that sometimes you yourself are not interested in something, but as long as it is halal, let it be. It's very difficult. But if it's halal, let it be. If it's not halal, that's a different situation. I mean, you're supposed to remind them. But even that, if you see that people are not you know, getting affected at all, then you need to stop for some time. You know, go away from there yourself. Okay? But if it's halal, then let it be. You know, pick your battles. Don't fight over every little thing. Don't, you know, start an argument over every little thing. Especially on a day of celebration. You know, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, he was asked about singing. He said, it doesn't please me. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like to do it myself and I don't like to listen to it. But, and he didn't say that nobody should sing. Right? Singing is permissible, obviously. Singing with music, that's a different story. But singing itself, it's possible that some people don't like that either. You know, for example, as we uh, grow older, then we think that it's a waste of time. Singing or anything like that is a waste of time. So for example, in the car, you prefer to listen to a lecture, for instance. But your children want to listen to an ashid, for example. Don't think it's a waste of your time. Even if you think it's a waste of your time, you know what? It's permissible. It's okay. They're young. 
they're little, that is what they like, that is what they enjoy, they'll grow out of it. They'll grow out of it, but with time. Don't try to make you know children grow up even before their time. Exactly. Of course. And the thing is that, I mean, certain things are within uh, human nature in the sense that there are certain things which people are attracted to, you know, depending on the age. So, for example, children love to play. Don't tell them all the time, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your time. You know, sometimes it happens that children, when they want to play, parents tell them, did you read Quran today? Why are you bringing up Quran when they want to play? Don't do that. There is a time for play and there is a time for reading Quran. Understand that at this age, this is what they like to do. This, you know, play time is necessary for them. And children learn through play. So let them play. Then you know what? Either tell them to remind them, but if you see it's not working or they'll get irritated, they'll get upset, then play something else so that they will start humming that instead of something else. You know, because literally what we hear, we like to say. It just comes automatically on the tongue. You know, sometimes children, they, they want to read Qur'an just because they've been hearing it so much and they don't know how to read or they don't know what to read. Then they're making it up. I've heard children doing that. They're making it up. Why? Because they, they like to read. They just don't know what to read. For some time that website stopped working, so they uh, didn't uh, stop listening to it. So they forgot all about it. Now I've found in uh, this bookstore, again, that CD. And there was another Nasheed CD as well. I started putting uh, that up in the in my car while I was driving, driving back and forth. So instead of frozen, now they are singing all the time all the things that are in there. Alhamdulillah. Whatever you feed, whatever you feed them, that is what they will do. So accept that this is part of life. This is what we don't want to do. But we have to accept it. And children can learn many things through nasheeds. Many things. You know, till today, there are some things that I, when I get confused about them, I, I recall a nasheed. And when I recall it, then I remember, oh, this is what it was and that's what it was. You know, for example, there, there was an ashid that I learned about the Prophet wasallam about his family. So I remember as a child growing up, uh, I would find the names Abu Talib and Abdul Muttalib very confusing. I, I would get confused between them. Who's the uncle and who's the grandfather? So then I would recall the words of the nasheed. Oh, Abu Talib was his uncle. Because that's what the words of the nasheed are. So we learn many things by singing. Of course. I mean, sometimes it happens that first thing in the morning, that's what you're listening to. And um, in your sleep also, in your dream also, you can hear those words. It's true. I mean, I remember a certain anashid an about Alif Bata. I think I, I, I know them better than my children. But the benefit is that Alhamdulillah, they know their Alif Bata really well. So it's okay. At least it's not something else. If it's halal, let it be. Be patient over there. Bab al-salati qabla al-eidi wa ba'daha. Performing salat before Eid and after it. Is there any salah before salat al-eid? Is there any salah after salat al-eid? Waqala Abu al-Mu'alla sami'tu sa'idan an Ibn Abbasin kariha salata qabla al-eid. Ibn Abbas said that it is disliked to pray anything before salat al-eid. Because Salatul Eid should be early, soon after Fajr, right? So that means that there should be no other prayer between Fajr and Salatul Eid. Haddathana Abu Walidi, qala haddathana Shu'batu, qala haddathani Adi ibn Thabit, qala sami'atu Sa'id ibn Jubairin, an ibn Abbasin, anna Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kharaja yawm al-fitri, fasalla rak'atayni, lam yusalli qablaha, wala ba'daha, wa ma'ahu bilal. The Prophet ﷺ went for Eid prayer. He did not pray anything before it, nor did he pray anything after it. Now if you think about it, for every other salah, there is either you know, salah before or after or both. Look at the five daily prayers. Even for Asr, there is salah before Asr that you can pray. Right? When it comes to Witr even, Tahajjud, there is a salah before that. Jumu'ah, there is salah before Salat al-Jumu'ah. Right? However, when it comes to Eid, nothing before and nothing after. So much so that if a person is going for Salatul Eid to a masjid, then even there, no tahiyyatul masjid. Why? What's the hikmah? 
Has it ever happened with you that after Jumu'ah, you want to pray your sunnah, but you meet somebody, and then you meet somebody else, and then you meet somebody else? Huh? Then what happens? You're not able to perform your sunnah. Even those two rakah you cannot do. And then when you go home, you go and perform four rakah. Right? So why? Because when there is a huge gathering, lots of people, lots of excitement, lots of talking, lots of celebration. So imagine Eid. It's even more than that. And if we were required to pray before and after, we would be in this guilt always. Throughout uh, Eid celebration, we would have this guilt. I did not pray my salah after Eid. So ad-deen, yusr. Our religion is easy. If it's your habit, you may do so. Or if you missed your witr that night, then you can do so. However, before Salatul Eid, after Salatul Eid, immediately, nothing. Next chapter, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Kitabul Witr, the book of Witr prayer. Witr means odd, meaning odd number, such as one, three, five, and the opposite of that is even. Washafri walwatr. The minimum witr is one. And what's the maximum? There is no maximum. Because you can make any even number odd. How? By adding more, by adding one, or by removing one. So everything can be made witr by adding one to it. Now what is meant by witr over here is salatul witr. And the minimum number of salatul witr, meaning number of raka'at, is how many? One. And the maximum according to sunnah is 11. Because this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. How many uh, would he pray? 11. Now, when it comes to witr prayer, is it an obligation? Is it wajib or is it sunnah? Some scholars said that it is wajib in every hal. Meaning, whether you're at home, you're traveling, you're sick, just as you have to pray Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, you also have to pray witr. You can never miss it. And if you miss it, you must make up for it. They said it is wajib. And others said that it is sunnah, uh, meaning sunnah mu'akkida. And the evidence for that is that once a man came to the Messenger of Allah and said, O Messenger of Allah, what prayers has Allah enjoined upon me? He said the five prayers. Unless you do anything voluntarily. So what are the five prayers every day and night? The five daily prayers, right? And he said, unless you do anything voluntarily, meaning anything on top of the five daily prayers, what is that? Additional. It's not fard. It's not wajib. Right? And Imam al we said that this indicates that with the prayer is not obligatory. However, it doesn't mean that it should be taken lightly. It is sunnah mu'akkida, a confirmed sunnah. A sunnah that must be observed. A believer must adhere to it. So if a person performs it most days, but there is a day or two here, there, you know, for example, once a month or something, that he's not able to perform it, he misses it, he doesn't get a chance to make it up, then there's no sin in that. However, if a person leaves it, meaning he leaves it more than he performs it, then that is a problem. If he leaves it more than he performs it, then that is a problem. So much so that Imam Ahmad said that whoever omits the wither prayer deliberately is a bad man, whose testimony should not be accepted. If a person leaves the wither, abandons it, and what does he mean by leaving it? Meaning most of the time a person is leaving it. He doesn't give importance to it. It's not his habit to pray wither. And he said he's a bad man, whose testimony should not be accepted. So what do we understand? That witr prayer is sunnah mu'akkida, but that doesn't mean that it should be taken lightly. It should be performed on a regular basis. However, if once in a while due to sickness or due to extreme tiredness, due to an unusual situation, if a person is not able to perform witr, then uh, it's not like he has missed a fard prayer. This is what it seems. That if a person completely leaves it, Imam Ahmad said he's a bad man. What does it mean? His shahada should not be accepted. That there is some you know, sin being performed over there by abandoning it. One more thing, that some scholars said that whoever performs tahajjud in the night, then witr is obligatory for him. Meaning if a person develops the habit of performing tahajjud on a regular basis, then witr is wajib. 
And the one who does not perform tahajjud on a regular basis, then it is not wajib for him, it's sunnah. Bab maja'a fil witri, what has come about the witr? Meaning, is witr obligatory? Is it sunnah? How should it be performed? How many raka'at? At what time? Haddathana Abdullah ibn Yusuf, qala akhbarana malik, an nafi'in, wa Abdullah ibn dinarin, an ibn umara, anna rajulan sa'ala rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an salati layli. A man asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the night prayer. Faqala rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, salatu layli, the night prayer is mathna mathna, in sets of two, two, two. Meaning two rakar, two rakar, two rakar, two rakar. فَإِذَا خَشِيَ أَحَدُكُمُ الصُّبْحَ Then when one of you fears the morning, meaning, he fears that Fajr is very near, صَلَّى رَكْعَةً وَاحِدَةً Then he should perform one rak'ah. تُوْتِرُ لَهُ مَا قَدْ صَلَّى It will make odd for him whatever that he has prayed. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes witr. And the best prayer after the fard prayers is which prayer? The night prayer. So when the best prayer after the fard prayer is performed, how should it be concluded? Which number? The number that Allah likes. So make it odd by performing one rakah at the end. So what do we learn from this? That the night prayer is in sets of two. And it should be concluded with one witr. And notice how in this hadith we see that فَإِذَا خَشِيَ أَحَدُكُمُ الصُّبْحَ صَلَّى رَكَعَةً وَاحِدًا when you feel that the morning is near, then perform one rakah, wrap up your tahajjud prayer, and then perform fajr, when the time enters. Which means that there is no witr after fajr. You understand? When is witr supposed to be performed? From this hadith, what do we learn? Before fajr begins. But what if a person is not able to perform witr before fajr? Like for example, they intended to get up in the night and pray there with it. But what happened? They slept through and when they wake up it's Fajr time. So then what? What should they do? There's two ways and both are correct. One is that he should perform with it before Fajr. Before he performs his Fajr prayer, what should he do? He should perform his with it prayer. With it prayer doesn't mean one there. How many does it mean? How many ever he had intended to pray or how many ever he regularly prays. So for example, on a regular basis, if a person performs three rakah, then he should perform three. If a person generally performs five, then he should perform five. If he performs seven, he should perform seven. If he performs nine, he should perform nine. If eleven, then eleven. You understand? Whatever the habit is, he will do that before fajr. Shaykh Al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah was asked about a person who sleeps and misses witr prayer. He said, he may pray between, yani before performing the fajr prayer. As in hadith we see, Abu Dawood narrated in his sunan, that the Prophet ﷺ, he said that whoever sleeps and misses witr, or forgets it, then let him pray it when morning comes, or when he remembers. So let him pray when morning comes. What does it mean? Meaning when fajr comes. But what if... There isn't enough time. So for example, if a person usually prays 11, and if they start praying 11, then they'll miss their fajr. Or what if a man is in the habit of going to the masjid for fajr? And if, if he starts praying his witr, then he'll miss the salah in the masjid. You understand? So sometimes it happens that you don't have enough time to perform anything before fajr prayer. So then what? There is another option. Which is that a person will perform an even number of rakah during the day. During the day, meaning whenever it's possible for him. However, the best time is when? After the sun has completely risen, okay, uh, until the sun reaches the meridian. Alright? So before Zuhr basically. Before Zuhr and after when? After the sun has completely risen. So the time of Ishraq, Duha, prayer, okay? So how many will a person perform? How many rakat? An even number. So for example, if a person performs one rakat with her only, he performs his isha, his sunnah, and then he performs one, one rakat with her. How many will he pray? Two. If he's making up, how many will he perform? Two rakat. If a person is in the habit of performing three rakat with her in the night, he wasn't able to perform his with her on time, 
Fajr came in. He prayed Fajr. Now after the sun has completely risen, how many can he pray? Four. If he's in the habit of performing five, then how many will he pray? Six. If he's in the habit of performing seven, how many will he pray? Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. What's the evidence of this? In a hadith we learn, Aisha anha said, that if sleep or sickness kept the Prophet ﷺ from praying at night, meaning if due to sickness or because he slept, he wasn't able to get up, then what would he do? The Prophet ﷺ would pray 12 rak'at during the day. And this is what is reported as Salatul Duha. Alright, then he would make up 12 rak'ah during the day. And this is reported in Muslim. Because remember that the timings of prayer, how are they? أَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِدُلُوكِ الشَّمْسِ إِلَى غَسَقِ اللَّيْلِ And then, وَقُرْآنَ الْفَجْرِ Right? In this 24-hour cycle, what do we learn? That from the time when the sun begins to decline, which is the time of Zuhr, until then, pray salah, until what time? Darkness of the night. Which means that Zuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha. How are they? Connected, back to back. The time for one salah ends and the next one begins. It ends and the next one begins. And it ends and the next one begins. Four salawat are like that. And then there is a gap. After Isha, there is a gap. Until when? Waqur'an al-Fajr. Fajr. And then after Fajr is also a gap. Until when? Zuhr. So these two gaps, there is no salah that is obligatory. However, this void should be filled with what? Voluntary prayer. What is best? That a person prays at night. Alright? And he will conclude that with witr. But if he was not able to perform that witr prayer in the night for whatever reason, then what will he do? Make that up in the day. With how many rakat? An even number. You understand? So this is very, very important. If we're not in the habit of performing tahajjud, then we should at least develop the habit of performing duha. You understand? Either ishraq or duha, early in the morning or later in the morning. So both of these ways are correct. If a person misses witr, then he can do either of these. You understand? Okay. And... Some more things, inshallah, that will be clarified. وَعَنْ نَافِعٍ أَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ كَانَ يُسَلِّمُ بَيْنَ الرَّكَعَةِ وَالرَّكَعَتَيْنِ فِي الْوِتْرِ Abdullah ibn Umar, what was his way? That he would say taslim between two rakaat and the single rakaat of the witr. حَتَّى يَأْمُرَ بِبَعْضِ حَاجَتِهِ So that he could give some instruction about something that he needed. Meaning he would pray his night prayer in sets of two. And in the middle, what would he do? If he needed something, if he had to say something, he would say that. Alright? And he would keep a gap between his witr and tahajjud also. Because witr is one. You see? بَيْنَ الرَّكَعَةِ وَالرَّكَعَتَيْنِ فِي الْوِتْرِ So, what do we see over here? That witr should be performed, how? Separately from the rest of the salah. This is one way. Not the only way. Meaning that if a person is performing the night prayer, he performs two rakah, two rakah, two rakah. Then after he has completed those six rakah, he said the salam, then what is he going to do? He's going to perform one rakah. Alright? So six units in sets of two, followed by one rakah separately. This is one method of performing with the prayer. Is there any other way? What is that way? of joining all of these rakat without any taslim in the middle. You can do this with three rakat, you can do this with five rakat, you can do this with seven rakat, you can do this with nine rakat. Alright, you can do this. And how will that be? The ulama have taught two ways. One way is that, for example, if it's three rakat, pray it like maghrib. However, there is a hadith in which we learn that this should not be done. Because in hadith which is reported by Al-Hakim, do not pray witr with three rakah like maghrib. So that should not be done. So which means that if a person is performing three rakah witr, how should that be? With only one tashahud. And when is that tashahud supposed to be? At the end. So 
it is permissible to pray witr with three rakat, okay, or with five, or with seven, or with nine. And if a person prays witr with three rakat, it may be done in one of two ways, both of which are prescribed. One is praying the three rakat continuously with one tashahud, and the other is say the salam after two rakat and then pray one rakat on its own. This is also permissible. Alright. Aisha said that the Messenger of Allah used to pray 13 rakat at night. Praying 5 rakat of witr in which he would not sit except in the last rakat. This is reported in Muslim. So we see that from the sunnah, this is also proven that you can pray 5 rakat together and try it. One tashahud. Try it. Do it. You know, as following the sunnah of the Prophet in five rakat, no tashahud, one after the other, one after the other. It, it's, it's, it's really nice. Okay, now there is a question. And this question, you, you, I'm sure you've faced a situation like this or somebody else has asked you about it, that what if you go to a masjid where witr is being performed after taraweeh and they perform it like maghrib? Then what to do? Leave witr, not pray with them. What should you do? Follow him. Follow the imam. Because you will only get the reward, complete reward, if you begin with the imam and you end with the imam. But you say that no, but he's clearly going against the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ clearly said in hadith, do not pray with three rak'at like maghrib. So now what? What will you do? Have you forgotten the last lesson of aqidah wa sitiyah? Follow the leader, whether he is fajr, or he is of the abrar. Imagine, you have to follow the leader. Because when you will not follow the leader, you're going to create disunity. You're going to create problems. If you don't like to pray in that way, you know, once you know that the Prophet ﷺ forbid, you don't want to pray like that. Go to another masjid. But if you're not able to go to another masjid, this is a masjid that your family goes to. This is the most convenient for you. Then follow the imam. Don't create disunity over there and don't cause a problem over there. If you can go to the imam and speak to him, go ahead and do that. But don't sit at the back and say, I'm not praying because, you know, this imam, he's not following the sunnah. This is a bid'ah. This is this, this is that. I learned in my Ta'limul Quran course at Al-Huda Institute. This is sunnah. Don't do that. Follow the imam. Because you see the sahaba, what was their way? They followed the imam even if they differed with him. You saw the example of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri? Imagine, a clear sunnah is being opposed. Their Eid prayer, the order is reversed. Khutbah should be after Eid prayer. And what is Marwan doing? Giving the khutbah before Eid prayer. Did Abu Sa'id al-Khudri just stand up and walk away? He said, I'm not praying Eid with you. What did he do? He prayed Eid with him. So remember that as long as it's not a matter of halal, haram, don't create an issue. Okay? When you pray yourself, follow the sunnah. When you're asked about it, tell the truth. However, don't create disunity because unity is very, very important to the creation in disobedience to the Creator. So we're learning that there's a clear prohibition um, in certain matters. You see, we understand this by looking at the companions. What did they do in similar situations? That when someone is contradicting the sunnah, alright? Someone is opposing the sunnah and they are in a position of leadership. Are you going to follow them or are you not going to follow them? What did the sahaba do? What did the sahaba do? They followed them. Right? Why? Because this was not a matter of halal, haram. If you pray with it in this way, you're not committing an action which is haram. You understand? It's not haram to pray like that. And in fact, we learn of reports where, I mean, things were done which would clearly, you know, invalidate the prayer, but still they followed the leader. Because this is what we have been told to do, follow the leader. What they're doing wrong is upon them. And what you do is upon you. Right? And the thing is that, even though Salatul Witr should not be performed like Maghrib, but we see this hadith in Muslim, Aisha anha narrated that the Prophet ﷺ, sometimes he would pray nine rak'at in which he did not sit except in the eighth. 
So he sat in the eighth rak'ah. He would remember Allah, praise Him, call upon Him, and then he would get up. Alright? Pray the ninth. And then in the ninth he would say the taslim. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ in nine rak'at, what did he do? He sat in the eighth. Alright? So, I mean, yes, he said, don't pray it like maghrib. But it shows that sitting in a rak'ah before the last rak'ah, it's not haram. It's not preferred. It's not as masnoon. But don't make it a matter of dispute and division. Alright? Avoid the greater harm. Because remember that this is one of the principles of Ahlul Sunnah. Unity. Unity is very, very important for us. And this is the only way that unity is possible. That when you follow the leader. It's one of our core values, being united. Right? And how can we be united if we're not even praying behind the imam? You have to follow the imam. If the imam is sitting, he's doing the shahud, you have to sit with him. When he gets up, you get up with him. And the thing is that it is these issues which you can create a big problem out of and really uh, create greater problems for yourself, you know, your family, the community. Jazakallah. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.